is Husker Sports Weekly, your one-stop shop for all things Husker Sports, episode number 87 for you this weekend. We've got more Husker football and baseball to talk about in the recruiting area of the sports, and Grant and I will kind of keep you updated on what we've been up to because we keep missing shows because of our occupations, so we saw it was only fit for us to talk about that as well because... Well, we're a week behind now. So episode number 87 for you this week, though, and we are very glad to be back here on this Friday. It is June 10th. It is gorgeous outside, at least in Lincoln. I don't know about Omaha, 45 minutes up the road or so. Oh, it is. Grant can tell us about that. So great day for a podcast. Great day for talking about sports. Great day for outside activities. So we hope you have a phenomenal weekend. As always, you can find us on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27 and at Hanson 15 underscore Hanson. You can find our show on Twitter at Husker Weekly and search Husker Sports Weekly in the search bar of your favorite podcast networks to find our show. So Grant Hanson, Connor Clark here with you. As always, Grant Hanson, you started a new position and it's been kind of nutso with all this offseason stuff that's been happening because if you don't follow a team very closely, especially in the offseason, it seems like the offseason is just kind of, I don't want to say the irrelevant part of the year, but for lack of a better term, I'm going to use the word irrelevant because, okay, you know, you pay attention in season, you're watching every game, and you're like, oh, wins and losses, whatever, and you get to know the team throughout the season. But the offseason is where that team comes together, and there's a lot of work to be done. And Grant does a lot more of that recruiting work than I do, so he would know better about it. But Just, Grant, I guess to start, how busy is it between the two sports over the summer? I mean, it's got to be crazy. No, it is. Uh, And by the way, you're right, it is nice out here. Uh, I did, I don't know, you might have heard it on uh, on my audio side a little bit ago, but I did pop a window because I was like, it is nice out. Connor makes a great point. Uh, So a window has been popped in my home office here um, in in the bedroom back at Omaha, and so we're ready to rumble. Uh, But you're right, I, I think, so... I mean, I you make it out <laughs> a little bit to sound like I've been on, and I'm sure that wasn't your intention, but you know that I've been on this recruiting trail like forever. I've been on the Grant is recruiting. Yeah, uh, two weeks, <laughs> two weeks, and in like a partial role, right? Um, I am, you know, <clears throat> at least for the summer, for the most part, covering Nebraska baseball on three, pretty much full time. Um, but it's the off season, right? And so. It's not like I'm, you know, going to 20 different um, games every week and, and stuff like that. But it is busy. And, and I think that's kind of one of the things I've realized as I've been cut in on some of the recruiting talk um, with, with football uh, and, and with baseball and all that stuff here at On3 is that, you know, the, the content train never stops ever. You never stop thinking about the beat. Uh, and, and trying to come up with ideas because because the consumer never stops, right? The consumer never stops wanting to read about their team. And, you know, the offseason to me has always been, um, you know, just intriguing to me from a different perspective. Like if I'm playing a video game, for example, a sports video game, my favorite part of that game for some reason is the offseason. Like, you know, Madden is like, I love free agency in the draft in Madden. And we can make debates about how they set it up and how it's not necessarily better than the college football games. But uh, the offseason has always been something that's fascinating to me. Uh, and as you know, as a fan, as a consumer, it's been harder to engage with and understand that content. But now flipping over to the writing side of things, um, 
you know, you realize just how busy that content stream is and how consistent you have to keep it. And and so there, there's a lot of stuff going on right now at on three Nebraska. Um, you know, I've been incredibly, incredibly honored and, um, benefited from learning from some really, really smart, um, and experienced people, uh, people we've had on this show before, uh, like Robin Washit. Um, you know, Steve Sipple is over there with us right now at Nebraska on three, uh, and, and plenty of other people like Brian Munson, a recruiting guy. I mean, like think back to last week for Nebraska. We'll get into some of this recruiting talk a little bit later in the show, but we had 13 visitors in town last week. Uh, and Brian was just hammering the phones. I think he knocked out like six or seven of the 13 guys that he talked to on Sunday afternoon. Like Brian is just like a tank. Like he went off. Uh, and it was great stuff, uh, from, from Brian Munson. But again, like it makes me think like, look, like he is so dedicated to his job. He put in so much work this last weekend. That was a lot. And people don't necessarily re- realize it when you read, you know, all those pieces, uh, how much work goes in. So I've been very blessed to get to, to see that, to get to learn from that and to be a part of it. Uh, and I hope you kind of come over and join us, uh, over at, at Nebraska on three. I, we still got that deal going, um, that, uh, you get one year of content, Steve Sipple columns, you know, Robin's stuff for basketball, Abby Barmore stuff for volleyball, my stuff on baseball, Brian Munson, um, and Mike Mattia on, uh, recruiting. So like, you're going to get a lot of content, shameless plug here, one week, $1. Um, and so, like I said, I've been very blessed to be a part of it and to learn from it uh, this last week and a half. And it has been busy. Um, but look, like my workload is nothing compared to some of those other guys uh, who are working for us right now and generating, excuse me, content for all of you guys. Well, I asked for a $1 discount. I was not granted a yes there. I'll try again maybe at some point in the future, but it, it is a pretty good deal. I, I can't lie about that. But yeah, it's been pretty great stuff. I mean, obviously you mentioned that just kind of phone call after phone call for some of the guys over there at on three and just the amount of different sports that you guys are able to cover too has just been I mean all over the place and all over the place in a good way obviously and, and you're keeping Husker Nation up to date and I know there's you, you come to a fan base like this and everybody is going to want to know what's happening whether that's kind of inside information behind the scenes type stuff or if it's just a recap of a game and they want to hear your opinion which is also extremely valuable, especially for, you know, Grant and I are going to be juniors in college this upcoming fall. If people start caring about your opinion that early, I would say it's a pretty good sign. So, I mean, it's been it's been great work over there at Odd 3. And, uh, I mean, what's your – I guess I don't even know this. What's the plan in the fall? Is it just going to do the same thing? Yeah, I mean, I haven't got that far, honestly. Um, <clears throat> I, I am – I think, if I remember correctly, I'm under contract, as it were, uh, until September 1. Um, I don't know. Like, I'm going to keep doing this until I'm told I can't. <laughs> so, uh, that's yeah, kind of... That's a good approach. Yeah, that's kind of my thought process, you know. Um, but, yeah, like, enough about me. How's, uh, how's Salt Dogville? How's that going the last few weeks? Well, it's been, it's been good from, uh... Uh, job standpoint, you know, team success, it's been kind of a downhill slope ever since the 11-3 and start that we talked about just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but right now they're 13-10, and which is still fourth overall 
in the American Association. There are 12 teams in the American Association. So just to give you a, a little bit of a, a, a map there, eight of the 12 make the playoffs when it's all said and done in September. So right now, the Salt Dogs comfortably in that field. Um, and I think they will make it anyway. But this is a team that hasn't been healthy since game four of the season. And that was the first game out at Impact Field in Chicago, which was the first road trip of the year, which seems like a lifetime ago. It was really only like three, four weeks ago at this point. But uh, it's been very busy. Nine-game homestand is three games done. So we just had another series with Chicago. That was the final series of the year against the Chicago Dogs, 7th, 8th, and 9th of June. The Chicago Dogs took two or three there, but they are in first place in the American Association. Currently, it's 17-7, and seven, so they're a really good team. And this weekend, it's against the Canaries of Sioux Falls, and then there's a day off. And then the Lake Country Dockhounds, which is a brand-new franchise out in Wisconsin, they come to town for their one and only trip because they are in the Eastern Division, so they only make one trip. We only make one trip there. But... Lots of uh, lots of innings of play-by-play to be called. Lots of you know recaps that have been written and just kind of getting to know managers, players, doing interviews, kind of all that pregame good stuff that goes a part of the pregame show and the postgame show. And being able to work with and whoever's listening, I don't know if you know Michael Dixon, but he has been the voice of Salt Dogs baseball ever since 2019. So he's been there for a couple of years. He's been in the league for about five years. And you know he's been a phenomenal guy to work alongside with too. He's he's very laid back. He one of his sayings is he it's baseball. Keep it light. Keep it fun. I mean he's got to do this a hundred times a year. I necessarily don't because I don't travel with the team, but he does. So any way that you can find to make the job fun, and not that it isn't fun to begin with, but just to keep it fun and kind of keep it fun with the people around you, that makes it that much better too. So that's been really awesome. And just the, the amount of experience in here, and it's similar to what you've been doing, Grant. It's just very constant, and it, it will also go until September, basically. I'm not under contract, per se, but that's just when the season is over. But, yeah, it's nine-game homestand in 10 days, and we get a week off. And I say I get a week off, but the team goes to Winnipeg, and then Sioux Falls, and they're back for seven straight games in seven days. So just to give you a little bit of an insight to the grind of what the American Association season is. It's pretty nuts. And then you go further into July, the 18th, all the way through the 31st, there are five games in four days against Sioux City because of a rainout earlier in the year. There's only one road series, which is three games. So if I count correctly here, that's eight games right there. And then 11, 14 games between the 18th and the 31st of July, all at home. So just to give you a little bit of a perspective there, it's busy, but, you know, it's baseball and it's fun, and it's even more fun when the team wins. But at the end of the day, for me personally, that's not really what it's supposed to be about, and it's not what it's about. It's about getting the experience. But overall, Salt Dogs has been great, and uh, hopefully we, we get a series win this weekend. So that was Yeah, fun. yeah. It sounds like a lot of fun. And then you also got, uh, you know, many of you – I don't know. Maybe you don't listening know, but good old Fort Calhoun grad right here. Uh, but you guys got an ex uh, ex Arlington Eagle on the squad, uh, a Doan. I think Doan grad too, right? Just came up. Yeah, there was a Doan grad, and there was a Bellevue University grad who made his first career start last night. Um, and Elijah Johnson, he went, if I can remember his line correctly, five and two thirds, 
two hits, one run. The only bad part of his line was the five walks, but he had six strikeouts against one of the better lineups in the league. So that was a really bright spot. Um, and it's it's kind of weird, too, because in independent baseball, you have a roster that's about 25 to 28 guys long. And it's never going to be, like, totally set. Like, yeah, you'll have your core group of guys that are going to be in the starting lineup each and every day. But you see – and just this past week, we signed three new guys, and we got guys coming in and out now, a lot of new faces. And in independent ball, if you have a good player on your team, an MLB team can just swoop in and say, hey – we like this guy. We want to buy his contract. And as an independent GM, and ours is Charlie Meyer, you can't really say no. It's say, hey, we're go-, like, it's not even a question from the MLB organization. So say Josh Altman is one of our better players. The Yankees come in, for example. Hey, we want to buy Josh Altman's contract. Boom, it's over. And then he's getting shipped off to double AA, A, triple A, whatever. So that's an interesting part of it. And it's kind of. I don't want to say cutthroat, but it's it is in a sense because if you're not an everyday starter and you get hurt, you're essentially going to get cut from a team, which is unfortunate, but that's also kind of the harsh reality of everybody's trying to get their shot too. But I think the guys have done a nice job of bringing the new guys in for Elijah Johnson. Alex Steinbach is a new guy as well who just played third base for three days in a row in his first big league, or I'd say big league, professional baseball series. So... That's an interesting postponement of it. And just the way that the set roster is able to bring new guys in and out and be supportive of them and still have success with them is something that maybe on paper doesn't look too good. But then again, it's not like basketball or football. It's baseball. It's You don't have plays, really, for baseball. You just kind of go out there and do your thing. So that's what makes it a little bit easier. But I found that very interesting about American Association baseball and just independent league baseball in general. Yeah, that's wild, man. Like, yeah, just stuff I I didn't know before at all. So, look at us. Look at us. Who would have thought? Look at us. We're teaching each other. I know. Yay. Writing and and independent baseball. Let's do it. <laughs> that's what we're, that's what we're doing all summer long. But going back to the recruiting, and we'll start with football here. So, there were just the and I kind of want to just touch on this for a little bit. The Friday Night Lights camp just happened at Memorial Stadium last weekend, so literally a week ago. And obviously there's like local guys such as Malachi Coleman and a bunch of those guys. And, you know, I'm not as familiar with the Friday Night Lights camp, but it seems like a pretty cool thing. And it seems like a pretty good opportunity for Frost and the coaching staff to kind of get out there and put their eyes on some of this younger talent. No, of course. I mean, that's what it's all about. Uh, You know, look, they have – going in you know the guys that they want the guys that they know are scholarship level dudes uh, they have them picked out ahead of time but they're also on the lookout for guys who might surprise them right and of course you mentioned Malachi Coleman a little bit ago I mean that was exactly his story a couple of years ago you know Coleman was wearing the red jersey back uh, in 2021 and now in the span of the year he's got offers from Georgia USC He's a four-star, could be bumped up to a five uh, before things are all said and done. And the number one recruit in Nebraska. And, and so, yes, these camps are incredible opportunities, not only for you know Nebraska to find guys, um, but for players to prove themselves like Malachi Coleman did a year ago. Uh, so we, there's one more, I think, yeah, there's one more camp left uh, for FNL. It's next weekend. Um, 
and and it's, it'll be another big visit weekend for Nebraska too next next uh, next weekend because uh, you know those things go hand in hand. They had thirteen in uh, for last Friday Night Lights. They're gonna have thirteen in again uh, this next weekend, and then this weekend they've got uh, a couple in-state guys coming in, uh, and then I think they actually do next week too. So uh, yeah, it, it is it is undoubtedly a big weekend for players and coaches alike. Well, I remember, too, because I went out and did a high school football game for KRNU, which is our student radio station here at UNL, our freshman year at Seacrest. And it was Lincoln East was one of the teams. And I went into that game, and I'm like, well, who is this guy in Malachi Coleman? And he was all over the place on the field, and that was before he was really getting any national recognition as a, as a big-time recruit. And then fast forward a year later, I do two Lincoln East games this year, and it's he's the main storyline, and he's out there making plays left and right, offense and defense, and you could tell why he's being recruited at such a high level. And obviously, he is worth the hype so far. I mean, he is an incredible athlete, like one of the the better high school athletes I think I've ever seen. And Grant mentioned it, number one recruit in the state, could be bumped up to a five-star here. You get offers from Georgia and USC and Nebraska. It's no mistake. That's not by an accident okay you got something there especially between the lines and he's also a track athlete and there was a story that I saw that says he wants to do track in college as well as football which would be really interesting yeah I mean that's very much part of his plan he likes track he takes track very seriously I mean you think back to state track you know he does not uh he doesn't I don't believe he got a goal if I remember correctly uh and he took that pretty hard (laughs) Uh, he's a competitive guy uh, he's a fun guy. I mean, if you watch his his press conference um, or get around to his podcast episode with Jack Mitchell this last weekend, uh, I I don't and I haven't listened to that podcast yet. But look, I mean, he is he is someone who is competitive, um, but I think he balances that well. Uh, but yes, track is very very much a part of his plan wherever he ends up. Uh, and look, it'll be good for Nebraska to get it to get a look at him. Uh, or rather, to I, to make continue to try to make an impact on him like they did uh, on the official visit. I mean, he said that blew you know every other visit he had out of the water. Um, of course, that was his first official, so we'll see how that changes as things go around. And you know, to a certain extent, it comes down to what he wants to play because um, he has all sorts of offers. I believe Michigan's pursuing him defensively uh, as a D end. Um, and, and so I think that'll come down a little bit too, is like, okay, what, what does he think fits best for him, for his career? Um, you know, any NFL aspirations he might have, uh, that, that sort of thing. So that'll be something he weighs. And, and that's, you know, an area where Mickey Joseph has an advantage, right? And he's got a track record. Um, he definitely makes a really, really solid impact on the guys that he talks to and that he recruits. Um, you think about a Marion Miller, uh, another guy who is a four-star, uh, receiver who came in that weekend, uh, former LSU commit, I believe, uh, on three, uh, we currently have him, I think projected at 96% to Nebraska. I have to double check that. Um, but he's a guy who was an LSU commit The Mickey Joseph flipped, uh, and his numbers, by the way, like you look at Malachi Coleman's numbers, I think he had 500 yards receiving this last year at Lincoln East, which kind of seems a little bit small, but there were so many weapons in that offense. Uh, I think that's something that you probably should consider. But um, but the, Omarion Miller had like, I think, close to 1,500 yards receiving. 
Uh, I have to double check some of that, some some of those numbers. But he, I mean, he put up some eye popping numbers too. And those two, you know, Miller and Coleman seemed to, you know, had some good interaction on social media this last weekend. So I, I think Husker fans can maybe hope that those two uh, kind of go hand in hand together uh, and maybe want to stay together. And Coleman mentioned that too, like, hey, look, maybe all are all you know three of our paths um, in between him. I think there was another recruit he was with who he tagged on social media named Barry Jackson out of Georgia. Uh, look, maybe all three of our paths lie together in the future, and maybe they lie apart, uh, but they're still going to stay in contact and stuff like that. So uh, it's very, very, very fascinating stuff. And again, it was, I mean, it was a big weekend for Nebraska. I There was a lot of guys who rated that visit weekend between like a 9 and a 10. Uh, out of 10 so I mean there were there was a lot of positive impact made and you had to commit at the start of the weekend in Jaden Doss three-star receiver and then you had to commit at the end of the weekend in Brock Knutson a three-star in-state lineman from Scott's Bluff by way of Mitchell uh, his first three years of high school before he transferred to be a Bearcat yeah, it seems and it's pretty obvious that Nebraska knows what they're doing especially in football when it comes to these visits officially or not and holding these camps because you mentioned the official visit was said to be blown the others out of the water, which, I mean, you come to, to Lincoln, Nebraska, okay, if you're not from Lincoln, Nebraska, which I am originally not, and neither is Grant, but you've been here, you've been around here a lot longer than I have. And when my dad came up to me at, between the, the, the summer of, or the spring break of my sophomore year of high school, he said, hey, let's go visit Nebraska. And then we'll do Kansas and Kansas State, and that was all in one trip. And I wasn't going to go up to my dad and say no, because I'd, I'd never been on a college visit before. And obviously, I wasn't going for football. I, I wish. but And we go, and you know, the whole car right there, I'm like, huh, this is going to be interesting. And I like, I obviously, I looked up like Lincoln beforehand, and I've known about Nebraska as being a Big Ten fan, but I was just like, you know, like Lincoln, like, like what's, what's that going to be like? Like how, like, is it going to be in the middle of nowhere? Like what's going on here? And you get here and it's a lot different than the kind of social stereotype that is surrounded like, Oh, Lincoln's just a couple of buildings at a big stadium in the middle of a cornfield. It's, it's legitimately like a pretty good site. Like it's almost 300,000 people here in the city too. And the fact that Scott Frost and his coaching staff are able to sell not only the football team and the university, but Lincoln itself as a place to be for, say, four to five years of your college experience, that's a big deal. And the fact that they're able to sell that, I think that is extremely impressive, especially when you have the same guys who are visiting here. They've got offers from Georgia. They've got offers from USC, which is in the heart of Los Angeles. Like, come on. So I think that in its own is extremely impressive. And I think the coaching staff in particular does a very nice job of doing that. Yeah, uh, it it was a huge weekend. I mean, it was a very successful, successful weekend. And we'll see if they can continue to keep, uh, you know, that that energy going. Um, You know, in the the next weekend. Uh, Right now, you know, this week they've got six in. Uh, Tatum Tuioti, of course you'll remember that's Coach Tuioti's son, uh, defensive lineman. Uh, so he's coming in. Benjamin Brahma from Pierce, he was supposed to be in last weekend, moved his visit up to this weekend. In state, already committed. 
Uh, so it'll be interesting to kind of get a read on, on, on what he thinks. Uh, got a couple offensive linemen. Uh, Zalens Hurd, um, six foot five, two ninety five, four star guy. He'll be in a tackle, leaning LSU right now. But we'll see how that um, how that develops. Uh, and then you got a couple other guys as well. And Riley Van Poppel, uh, defensive lineman, uh, Junior Sia, offensive tackle, and then uh, Phil Picotti, he's, he's a linebacker, um, six foot three, three stars. So uh, one four star, five three stars in this weekend. Uh, and the next weekend is another big one. Again, Friday Night Lights, part two, and then 13 more official visitors. Now let's move over to baseball. And I know you have something to talk about here, Grant, because I physically saw Will Bolt giving a visit tour at Haymarket Park just a couple of days ago. Any recruits on that front that we should be interested in or we should know about? Uh, there's going to be some movement on that uh, in the coming days. Uh, I can pretty much guarantee. I don't know if you could say anything about it, but I thought I'd ask. Well, it's more along the lines of I don't know enough specifics to, to say something definitive. I know there's going to be movement. There's a guy who's in today, uh, today being Friday. Um, so they've already got, I think, and I have to check the numbers on this. I believe it's 18 new additions right now. Um, and, and so this is the fascinating thing is not all those guys, of course, are on scholarship, but you got to wonder where Nebraska runs up against that 35 scholarship line. You know, we talked about that with Greg Sharp last or a couple of weekends ago, um, because, you know, Greg was talking about in, in a different context about why so many guys go Juco and why that's different than football or basketball. Um, and in a lot of, in a lot of ways it's because of that 35 scholarship limit. Um, but that's one thing to watch, right? Um, because once you get the line up of Nebraska's additions against their subtractions, right? Their departures, um, which I believe since the season started, which technically begins in November after the end of fall ball, uh, Nebraska's had 15 departures, um, Chase Mason, Jaden Arakaki, Two guys who left uh, Mason in November. He's now playing football at SDSU. Eric Hockey left in January before the second semester started. And you got 13 guys who left in the season. That counts Jackson Jelkin uh, and and Tyler Martin, who each left um, because of um, being removed <laughs> from the team, uh, for lack of a better word. Um, but so, again, like the Jelkin was never on scholarship. So you got to do a little math here on the scholarships to try to piece together maybe if any of uh last year's seniors come back that's kind of the the, the thought um right now my read is colby gomez is done uh probably i would say um and then you look at the other guys who are left you're still waiting on to hear from shay shanneman you know kyle perry i believe yeah kyle perry was honored on senior day some of those guys uh, I think a lot of them are waiting for the MLB draft, not necessarily uh, to get drafted, but to see if they get a contract offer a la um, Jackson Hallmark last year. You remember Hallmark announced um, that he was going to sign with the Astros in late July. Uh, so, you know, we could be waiting a while to hear some official um, word on that. But I think as you look at some of the additions that the you know will bolton staff make in the coming days you can start to kind of like read into that a little bit um and piece together hey look you're probably not going to see a lot of guys coming back i got a piece coming out um tomorrow for on three on saturday that kind of breaks down 
um, the departures, the additions, kind of my thoughts on those things and where the Huskers are playing summer baseball leagues, um, you know, those semi-pro collegiate leagues throughout the country. Um, so I've, I've got some information on that. That's all coming out tomorrow and on three around noon, um, that really gets into some of that stuff, breaks down the additions list, breaks down the departures list, and just kind of give some of my takes on, on the last week. I mean, we've, we've seen a lot of movement in the last week. Uh, we've seen Max Peterson, a freshman, enter the transfer portal. Peterson didn't see any action all year long, uh, so that's not totally surprising. Uh, he wants to you know, probably go somewhere where he'll play, right? Um, and Nebraska continues to bring in Juco guys. Uh, got Cody Perry, he enters, or Cody uh, Frank, sorry, got, combined that and Kyle Perry, but uh, Cody Frank, he enters the transfer portal, um, Cam Chick decides to, after all, use that fifth year of eligibility. He enters the transfer portal. And we figure out where Tyler Palmer, uh, former Grand Island uh, athlete, where he's going. He's going to Southeast Community College. Um, so he transfers there, redshirt freshman. So uh, big week, a lot of movement, hard to piece it all together. Uh, the good thing is I've got a piece coming on Saturday that will hopefully help you do that. In 24 and a half hours, as of right now, well, 24 and a half hours in one minute because it's 1129 in the morning here on Friday. So be on the lookout for that piece. Lots of information coming out about Husker baseball, what you need to know in the offseason. Speaking of baseball, and we'll be seeing a lot of baseball here in Omaha in just a couple of weeks, not even at this point. Super regionals are set for the NCAA tournament for the men's. Oklahoma won the softball tournament. Shocker. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations <laughs> to them because they were unbelievable this year. And yes, you know, I, I grew up a Northwestern fan and like, I'd never watched softball growing up, but I noticed that Northwestern was good this year. And I was like, Hey, I might as well just kind of pay attention to them every now and then. And I saw they lost to Oklahoma and then they ended up losing it to UCLA, I believe to get knocked out. But yeah, Oklahoma was just ridiculous this year. So they earned it. They deserve it. So congratulations to Oklahoma on the College Women's World Series win. Super Regionals on the baseball side, and I'll just read through them here real quick. Grant, I want you to tell me which one intrigues you the most here as we get closer to the College World Series final. Number nine, Texas at number eight, East Carolina. Oklahoma at number four, Virginia Tech. Notre Dame at number one, Tennessee. I think we all know who's going to win that one. Number 12, no disrespect to Notre Dame, by the way, just Tennessee is that good. Number 12, Louisville at number five, Texas A&M. Their atmosphere at A&M is pretty sick. Arkansas at number 10, North Carolina. Ole Miss at number 11, Southern Mississippi. Number 14, Auburn at number three, Oregon State. And UConn at number two, Stanford. Man, there's a lot to choose from here. Uh, the Texas East Carolina is currently underway as we record this on, on Friday morning. Uh, that one's fascinating. I, I think I got to go with Louisville, Texas A&M. I think that one's the one that, that pulls at me the most. Virginia Tech, Oklahoma is also fascinating. I mean, most of these these are all going to be really good. <laughs> um, but Oklahoma and Virginia Tech, that one's also really interesting just because of how strong Oklahoma has been um, in recent days. Um, you know, they're playing with some good confidence, but I, I think Louisville, Texas A&M probably sticks out to me the most. Um, you know, there's a couple of ones too. I mean, you look at Southern Miss, Ole Miss, that one's fascinating. Uh, you got an ex Husker coaching the Golden Eagles, um, there. And then, 
The atmosphere at that one will be crazy too, probably. Oh my goodness, yes. I mean, the, that one is fascinating. Um, then, of course, Dave Van Horn, you know, with Arkansas, uh, they're going up against North Carolina. So, look, I mean, squeeze play was fantastic. TV all last weekend. Uh, I, I fully expect it to be fantastic TV all this weekend. Um, and, I mean, just like, even just thinking about like that Oklahoma State series, I mean, and I know people talk about that, I'm sure, plenty. But, I mean, that was a fascinating fascinating series and again great environment i mean like college baseball has really delivered on the environmental level uh so to speak this last weekend and i fully expect the same thing this weekend as well i'm gonna say arkansas north carolina is up there for me just because that even though arkansas wasn't a top 16 seed in this tournament they're still arkansas and we and if you're a husker fan and Grant and I both watched it very closely last year. We know what Arkansas baseball is about, and they know how to win no matter who they're playing. They took down Oklahoma State at their place in the regional, which, as Grant mentioned, was just a ridiculous regional. Just it, The amount of runs scored in that regional, too, was just unbelievable. And kind of off topic, but Oklahoma State's facility out there is gorgeous, too, so that made for a great atmosphere out there, too. As Grant mentioned, Texas and East Carolina is underway right now. I was talking with Michael Dixon before the Salt Dogs game a couple of days ago, and he he's from Dallas, and he grew up a Texas fan, so he pays attention to that stuff. And we were talking about it as Grant gives me a big shake of the head. And he was saying East Carolina is hosting the Super Regional. They have never been to the College World Series. Texas has been 37 times. So it's just interesting how that sort of matchup gets worked out because you have, it's almost like David versus Goliath right there. And Texas is, is looking for appearance number 38 while Eastern Car- or East Carolina sorry, is looking for appearance number one and they're the higher seed, which is just, I find that extremely interesting as well. I agree with you, Louisville, Texas A&M will be good. A big fan of that A&M environment. Their stadium is awesome. Um, so yeah, I, I, we kind of have, sort of the same picks UConn coming out of that Maryland regional which with a couple of controversial calls there um and I know Michigan they got hosed but I don't remember who they were playing can you remind me yeah Louisville I mean the two Big Ten teams okay. got absolutely hosed this weekend uh and you knew too like I really knew at the Michigan one I was like after uh <laughs> after the the guy gets called safe uh, I sat there and I was thinking like, oh man, that's, that's, that's a go ahead run. That's a go ahead run coming to the plate. Sure enough, you know? So, uh, yeah, that one was fascinating and the Maryland one was too. Um, but yeah, I mean, the it's Maryland just like, one was so bad. again though, like you think about it and it's like the big 10 as a league and it's not like the, okay. It's not like the big 10 necessarily um deserved any of this i don't know if that's the right word for it but like the big 10 does not prioritize baseball as a conference and that's what happens when you get a team like Rutgers, you know that doesn't make doesn't make the cws field or not the cws field but the field of 64 or whatever you know that you know that is all on the big 10 because they don't prioritize the sport um in any way so uh yeah anyway that's just kind of the the general thought 
uh, there. But yeah, it's it's the whole thing is is something else. Um, and I'm I I think I'm more appreciative even than I even when I, like even compared to what where I was a year ago when Nebraska made you know the regional against Arkansas. I think I'm even more appreciative of you know postseason college baseball than I was you know back last summer. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to watch. And going back to the the whole Michigan and Maryland situation, that Maryland call was atrocious. It was really bad, and it was in a pretty crucial moment of the ball game. Michigan had two calls go against them, the safe call at second, and then there was a pretty bad ball and strike call I heard. I didn't actually end up seeing that one, but that was a bad one as well. I will say this about Michigan, and this is a little bit of my bias coming out. I'm not going to sit here and say Michigan didn't get hosed. They absolutely did. I will state that right now. Those calls were bad. They should have been the other way. Even the, the safe call, they went to review and they still called him safe, which was kind of concerning for the rest of college baseball. But I will say this about Michigan. One of their pitchers was caught using an illegal substance in the Big Ten tournament. So they were literally cheating in the Big Ten tournament. And then that comes back to bite him. So, like, there's a little bit of a part of me that's like, I don't really feel bad. But at the same time, like, yeah, they were bad calls. And I, I totally understand the frustration and I'm not going to sit here and say those were those were all right. That like clearly they were they were not okay. And the Maryland one was just stupid. And you could see the first base umpire in the Maryland game on that play at at first base initially called him safe, and then he called time, and then the home plate umpire comes over and calls him out. And that really confused me because a you already had a safe call from the first base umpire who probably is the best view of the play. Then B, why the hell is the home plate umpire coming over and calling him out? And you could you could see it on the runner's face. I don't know his name. And, and same with the first base coach. They're like, what? what? Like, they were in disbelief. Yeah, I, again, I think that's what you, as an umpire, I think, you know, you're looking for consistency and clarity. Uh, and so when you have a third C confusion going on, uh, you know you've messed up. Yeah, it's been that, that was bad. I just feel like umpiring as a whole this year has not been very good, and that spans to the major league level as well. I mean, there was a a knuckle curve in a Chicago White Sox game yesterday that literally, and Twitter was going nuts about this, especially Barstool Chicago because they like to blow things out of proportion, but it's pretty funny at the same time. The, they were following the game cast on the ESPN app, and I'll see if I can find this picture and show it to you, Grant. But it was a ball, and you know like how they mark the circle red if it's a strike and the circle's green if it's a ball. The green circle was lit, like you could not put it anymore in the center of the strike zone on the game cast. It was unbelievable. So there's just been stuff like that, and we've talked about the Angel Hernandez game earlier this year between the Phillies and the Brewers, like that was bad too. There's just been a, a whole lot of inconsistency and just not very good umpire. Oh, here's the picture. I'll zoom it in for you if you could see that. Where the oh, green God. circle is. It's literally. Oh, God. <laughs> on the, it's bad. It is really bad. So 
I, I hate that we don't have a visual here, but if go look at Barstool Chicago on Twitter and then scroll down a, a couple of tweets and you'll find the picture if you're curious. But it should have been stuff like that where it's just like, I don't want to go to robot umpires. I, I'm against that. But at the same time, the human umpires aren't doing themselves any favors in that debate right now. It's just bad. No, no, I get it. Uh, yeah, and that's a fascinating debate too because like – you know, you even think at the high school level here, you know, the NSA talks a lot about the shortage in umpires and all that stuff. Um, but, like, at the same time, you know, I know officials, and I, and you know who they are, and you and you see that official when you're in warm-ups or whatever for basketball or, or football maybe even, um, and you're like, man, we're about to get hosed. Like, you know, and, and both sides know. Both teams always know, hey, look, there are certain guys you know this guy is going to screw something up bad. Um, and look, maybe, and so it's like a chicken or the egg thing in a lot of ways, right? Because it's like either, well, there are guys like that in the league because we have a shortage of officials or, you know, people aren't being held accountable. And so, uh, you know, so officials get harassed more or whatever. Like, I, I think it's it's a little of both, right? Where it's like, okay, there are definitely fans who take things too far. We all know who they are. Um, just as well as we know who the bad officials are, like you can tell, like this guy is going to go over the top for no reason, right? Or gal. Um, but on the flip side, like there does need to be at least, you know, some level of accountability, uh, for these folks, because in a lot of ways, like they can screw games sometimes and it doesn't happen all the time. Um, but they can do stuff like that and, they don't lose their jobs <laughs> like like a coach a coach has a, a terrible losing season he gets fired uh you know a player uh with the exception of maybe uh, Chris Bubich with the Kansas City Royals uh has a horrible horrible outing time and time again and he gets cut but you know Angel Hernandez sticks around because why I, I'm not exactly sure the union maybe but the union doesn't prevent you know players from being fired so anyway it, it's it's a whole thing but um and i'm sure we've talked about it more than once on here but uh yeah i i kind of agree with you yes things have been subpar at times this year and those two calls certainly were yeah and that's a debate that we will most likely continue to have throughout the summer as things progress and more calls are made and more games are played especially in the cws if there's controversy there we'll be here to talk about it because that'll be just up the road, too, in Omaha. Uh, so that'll be a lot of fun there, too. So we'll continue to talk about baseball and the subpar umpiring and crazy fans and how players get fired, but the referees and umpires don't. <laughs> so we'll, 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 just, we'll do that in a later episode as well as, as things progress. But I think that will do it for us on episode number 87 of Husker Sports Weekly. Make sure to check out Grant's article, which is coming out in now 24 hours and 17 minutes because it's 11:43, so check that out and if you are dying to listen to any salt dogs games this summer go to espn lincoln as well uh if you aren't dying to it's not going to hurt my feelings so don't worry but thank you so much for listening to episode number 87 of husker sports weekly once again you can find us on twitter at c underscore clark underscore 27 and at hansen 15 underscore hansen you can find our show on Twitter at Husker Weekly and search Husker Sports Weekly in the search bar of your favorite podcast networks. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll be back next week on a Friday to talk more Husker sports and more things going on in the world of sports. But until then, go Big Red.